Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. How are you guys doing out there? Man, I love you. I just love, love, love you guys so much. It's amazing to hear from you. Y'all are like consistent diehard out there. Listeners, thank you for encouraging not just me and my team. We get the emails, we get the DMs, we get it all. And I just want to say thank you guys for telling us that God is using what we do. I just feel sort of overwhelmed by that this morning. I don't want to do any PSAs today because my guest hat is fascinating. It's uh, let me introduce you to her. Her name is Melissa Odin. She is this a survivor of a botched saline abortion. And she has written a couple of books, I believe, but we are going to be talking to her about her book, You Carried Me, which actually just released a couple of days ago. She's been all over the country talking about just the pro-life movement. And this is something that you guys know is very near and dear to my heart as the adoptive mother of two children. So with honor, I introduce on my show today and welcome Melissa Odin. Melissa, welcome to the Autumn Mile Show. Hey, Autumn. I think you and I have the same vibe. Melissa, oh my goodness gracious. What an honor to have you on the show. And what, like, I just feel, um, I feel very passionate about what you're doing um, because I'm very passionate about uh, the pro-life movement and life in general. Um, so I, I I have so many things to ask you. First of all, your book that was just released is called You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. And and for those of you out there, you can uh, get that uh, anywhere books are sold. Um, but Melissa, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Talk to me. You say in your book that at the age of 14, which Melissa, I have a 14 year old daughter. So this was, this is like hardcore real to me. Like I, like I'm there with you. You found out that you were the product of a a botched abortion and were an abortion survivor. Let's just go there immediately because I'm, I I know I want to know, and I know everyone wants to know what, tell me about that moment for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm adopted. So like you, I see the incredible blessing that adoption is in so many people's lives. So grew up autumn knowing I was adopted, that I had been, you know, supposedly born prematurely with lots of health issues. I didn't really think a whole lot of it. And then at the age of 14, my older sister, who's also adopted, mm. faced an unplanned pregnancy. She was still in high school. And even though our parents raised us with firm beliefs about life and the gift of adoption, she was struggling and considering every option. And when our parents found out that she was considering an abortion, they broke their silence, mm. told her my story. And, you know, the good news is that saved the life of my nephew. Mm. He's now about 27 years old, wow. just an amazing man. And, you know, his life 
changed my life and by the grace of God, I think has changed the world because like any good teenage sister, after she learned the story of my survival, she didn't keep it a secret from me. It was horrific. I mean, honestly, Autumn, the way that it tumbled out, it was during an argument, pretty traumatic stuff. But I never saw those words coming, right? I never knew back then that abortions could fail and children could live. And so Mm. when my mother had to sit me down that night at the age of 14 and tell me that I survived an abortion, I'll be really honest, I was devastated. Yeah, wow. Mm. I can't imagine having a 14-year-old daughter and just the state of a normal 14-year-old, okay, um, dealing with the pressures of school and they said this about my dress and they and this and my body and all this kind of stuff, you having to take on um, just the mental weight of this kind of of news that it's like, when is a good time to tell your daughter this? You know, like Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I now work with survivors around the world through my organization, the Abortion Survivors Network. And we have, you know, many adoptive and even biological family members. Yes, some parents do raise their children after abortions fail. That could be a whole other <laughs> yeah. whole other discussion that we have. Um, but that is that resounding question that exists for people, right? Is How do you tell them? When do you tell them? Do you tell them? Hmm. And as much as my parents didn't want me to find out at that age, you know, honestly, Autumn, I don't think there's any other way I could have found out. And so I just love that even though I struggled in the midst of that and life was pretty difficult for a while, you know what? God brought me through that. And I think he really allowed me to see how so many people face struggles in their lives. Yeah. This has not been a walk in the park for me. I didn't wake up thinking, yeah, you know what? I'd love to be the person who survived an abortion. But none of us want to pick up the kind of crosses that I think we have to carry sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you take me back just to, and I know the story is is your memoir and we're going to get into um, your birth mother, but I would just, uh, I'm just interested um, just, I, I know your birth mother um, are from the notes and I would like to hear this uh, from you. Um, took you to get an abortion at about seven months. Is that correct? Her, so my birth mother was 19 years old. She was a college student. This is like prime abortion time if people don't know the dynamics behind abortion, but college age students are, you know, hugely impacted by abortion. And my birth mother was engaged to my birth father, but they became pregnant out of wedlock and her parents weren't pleased about that at the age of 19. And so my birth mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, actually forced her to have this abortion. Mm. And you know, I hear these stories all the time, the coercion and the force that happens yeah. in so many women's lives. And, you know, what makes my birth mother's circumstance a little bit more unique is my grandmother was a prominent nurse in their community, oversaw wow. the education of many of the nurses at the hospital, was a colleague and friend of the abortionist. And so they bypassed hospital regulations and procedures and really thought no one would find out that it mm. wasn't my birth mother's choice. And most certainly they would never hear from me, right? This was going to just, I know. God, they were not funny. counting on that, man. Whoa. Come on. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So as much as it is a horribly painful story, there is so much, I mean, little nuggets of 
humor that one can find in the fact that, you know, God's plans do reign supreme in this world. They may not look like what we expect them to, but in the grand scheme of things, I think God's will is done more often than not. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that procedure was the most common one back in the 70s. They injected a toxic salt solution into the amniotic fluid surrounding me in the womb, and I was being poisoned and scalded to death. Mm over a five-day period. I am one of the few survivors who has medical records. Most most survivors, you know, they don't want to document these kind of circumstances were a little bit um, difficult for the predominant narrative about abortion in our society. So, you know, medical records are hard to come by, but mine clearly detail it. Mm. Okay, I'm just waiting for you to keep going. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm, I'm like leaned let, in. The questions, I, right? I could talk. And I'm, talk I'm leaned in. Uh, so, okay. So it was a process that was to last five days. And I think that we are so ed- uneducated um, on what exactly happens, um, the different types of abortion. I mean, I would encourage um, my my listeners out there to go and educate yourself on what what is abortion. It's a word, but what exactly happens when a woman goes to get an abortion? So your particular one was a saline abortion. It was supposed to last five days. And and what happened? I mean, clearly it, it went awry. Thank God it <laughs> failed. Um, what What was that process like? Yeah, so typically the procedure lasted about three days. Mine lasted for five, quite simply because they could not induce her labor. So I was Mm. actually subjected to that toxic salt solution longer than what I should have even been in the standards of that. Were they, I'm sorry, were they monitoring you? Like, could they tell that your heart was still beating, um, you know, and, and things like that? They weren't monitoring me. They weren't, you know, I, this sounds really callous if people don't know the abortion industry, but they didn't care about me, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, let's just be real honest. They were monitoring my birth mother, okay. um, afraid of her health, actually, because they really were, they were getting concerned that it was taking that long. And I think, you know, we have to talk about that as a society is, you know, my birth mother's life was in danger. Yeah. This was a late-term abortion. The abortionist had written she was about 18 to 22 weeks pregnant, but we now think she was probably about 31 weeks. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. Right? Yeah. Right. And so they were monitoring her health, and by all means, they thought the abortion had been successful. And so when they induced her labor finally on the fifth day, I was delivered. That was the final step of that abortion procedure, right? An abortion is supposed to end in the death of a child. Mm. And in 1977, that day, I was accidentally born alive. Oh, my gosh. Other people have a birthday. I don't know if everybody thinks about that, right? Like, that's one of my talking points to young people is, why is it that you have a birthday? Mm. And mine is the day that I was accidentally born alive. I mean, seriously, what's the difference between you and me? Mm. Wow, that gives me chills. Okay, so you're born alive. I'm sure there is mass chaos in the delivery room going, what, <laughs> you could say that. what in the world? What? What happened? This was supposed to kill this child. What do we do? So what What did they do? Are you transported to CPS? Like, what, what exactly happens at that point? Because clearly at 31 weeks, a baby can survive. Um, right, exactly. Healthily. I mean, healthily. So what, what happens to them. you? If they let them. Yes, yes. Good point. 
And we need to talk about that, right? We heard that in 2019 with Governor Northam's comments out of Virginia. You know, what do you, he's a pediatrician, right? And they were saying, what would you do if a baby survived a failed abortion? Did you, did you hear that? Yes, what he said? I did. Yes. Yeah. So I think he so put right, it he in, lay, I think he put it in really nice terms. But. Oh, yeah. It was pretty, right? Uh, we would lay them aside, and then the mother and the doctor would have a conversation about, about what, what yeah. would happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I can tell you what it looked like in my life. We now know that my grandmother told the nurses to leave me to die that day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. My mom and dad, my adoptive parents, had been told years ago that it was the abortionist. And we didn't talk about that, right? Like, some of this is so icky and uncomfortable. Yeah. It was like, I'm ne- never going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. But I have to. Yeah. I have to. Mm. And so my grandmother demanded that the nurses leave me to die. And my mom and dad had been told that there were a couple of nurses who intervened and rushed me off to the NICU. I was at a hospital. That's where most late-term abortions take place. And I think that's important, right? They weren't doing it to save me. They were doing it, again, because of the greater risk to a woman's health, the later in a pregnancy that an abortion is occurring. So, I mean, I was lucky that it was there because ultimately when a nurse was unwilling to just leave me there to die, she rushed me off from that room to the NICU. And that's how I was provided medical care. Oh my goodness. Somebody willing to do the right thing. Wow. Wow. I mean, she stepped up. Have you met that nurse? I haven't met that one. I think I know a little bit about where she is, but even though I haven't met her, God has placed many medical professionals in my life who have been able to share the story of what they witnessed that day when I survived that abortion. Isn't that amazing? That is, that is so God. Uh, What, so, so tell me one of them. What, what do they say? Well, one of them actually contacted me. So the book that was released just recently, so it's a re-release. So I initially released a couple of years ago and we re-release now with additional content because that's the beauty when you're given life, right? The story continues to be written by God. And so I'm learning as I continue to live this life. So a nurse actually had read my book when it was first released and she contacted me and said, you know, Melissa, I've always wondered for years when I saw you on social media, I wondered if you were the baby that I remembered from St. Luke's Hospital. Oh, my goodness. And she said, after reading the book, I know that it's you. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. We were supposed to meet face-to-face last year about this time, but on our way to meet you, she was in a horrible car accident. (gasps) You're kidding. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Satan didn't want her to get the victory there. Wow. Did she survive? Mm-hmm. But we're going to meet uh, very soon, actually. Okay. Uh, we're okay. planning to meet face-to-face very soon. And I, I'm just blessed. I'm blessed with this life. And, you know, I want people to understand that this isn't just my story. Abortion affected so many people surrounding me, the doctors and the nurses, my extended family, right, my biological parents. Mm. Okay, so this is a fascinating story. I could probably talk to you for, you know, four hours, which everyone, I'm sure, I'm sure wants you to. You, you make this comment, I'm convinced God protected me to be a voice for the voiceless and for their mothers. And um, isn't it amazing how when Satan says yes, God steps in and says no, no, you can't have her. No, this one's gonna, this one, this one. I'm, I'm, I am going to direct her. She is going to be a megaphone for me. So, um, talk to me about when you found. So you found out, um, and and what when you were at the age of fourteen? Okay, this happened. Um, 
what where did your life go from there with that information what 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 happened to you mentally how did you sort of cope with this kind of information uh what did you what did you go where did you go from there yeah it was a downhill slide at first I'll be really honest I was not in a good place initially when I found out that I had survived an abortion as you said at the age of 14 it's tough I wanted to be like everybody else. I didn't want to be the girl who survived an abortion. And so, you know, struggled with an eating disorder, alcohol abuse, so many poor choices because I just couldn't deal with my suffering. And God pulled me through that. My family and my school were so supportive. You know, went away to college. And even though that was still difficult, because college really does indoctrinate you to a very different narrative about abortion. Mm. Um, And I was not, you know, I was an inconvenient truth Mm. by and large. But, you know, again, God used those little moments to to show me um, what I was going to be called to do in this world. And so got a master's degree in social work you know, really spent a number of years working on my own healing and started speaking publicly in about 2007. That was the first time God really, you know, opened up a platform. And even though when I started doing this, I thought, oh, you know, isn't this nice to give God glory? I wasn't ever thinking, you're going to make this your life's mission. You're going to share your story with the world. You're going to testify before Congress. You're going to support other survivors. And, but that's where he has led me. And so I gave up my career. I've been doing a work of, of pro-life ministry now for over, gosh, 13 years. Mm. And God just continues to unfold piece by piece where I need to go in this world. We just unveiled a video with the March for Life mm. last week called yeah. Faith the Choice, featuring yeah. 14 other survivors of abortion, many of whom people have never seen before. So People can go to facesofchoice.org to see this pretty powerful video. Uh, I would, Yes, and I would encourage you to do. And let me just say, um, on behalf of the pro-life movement myself, thank you so much for what you're doing. I mean, my family, uh, I mean, they were, my, my, I have four, four, two bio kids and two adopted kids. And, um, you know, when, when a news cycle, um, you know, talks about abortion and these late-term abortions and stuff like that, you know, I look at my two precious children that I waited for 18 years to adopt. And, um, you know, I'm on, I'm on that side of it as a mom, a parent, much like your, your parents, um, who waited desperately wanting, um, to adopt children. So thank you so much, um, just for your voice and what you're doing because an adoption is, I think the best option (laughs) out there. I know so many other people that are waiting on lists right now, waiting for, um, God to provide them with a, with a child for their family. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about looking for your birth parents, um, it's very interesting to me that once you once you figure figure out this news, um, and you live a little bit of life, you go back to find your birth um, mother. Now I realize that you did find your birth father, and he he was deceased at the time that you found him. I think clarify if I'm wrong, please. But um, but talk to me about just the journey of of looking for your birth mother and um, how that has affected you. Yeah, I found out who my birth birth parents were in 2007, actually, through my medical records, which Mm. was, I mean, just another God thing in my life. My birth father, you're pretty close to that. It's a a complicated story, but uh, my birth father passed away about six months after I found out who he was. And, you know, I had to grieve that loss, even though I'm blessed with my amazing adoptive family. My my adoptive family are mom and dad, always have been, always will be. But there is this 
connection with biological family that always exists. And, you know, my path to my birth mother was probably even more complicated. I found her parents in 2007, sent them a letter just asking for them to pass along messages to her. And, you know, they graciously replied to me that made it clear that they would not pass along any messages because they they were estranged. There was mm. no relationship. And I, I understand that now, knowing that they were responsible for forcing that abortion. And, you know, once again, God really just allowed me to lean into him and trust that I had to wait to see what his plan looked like, even if that meant that I would never hear from my birth mother. Mm. And it was his plan, though. And one of her family members actually reached out to me about seven years ago now. That's how I learned that the abortion was forced. My grandmother was behind so much of it. And, you know, really, Autumn, I learned the most painful truth about my life, and that was that my birth mother spent over 30 years of her life believing that I had died that day. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. Right? She had no idea you were alive. No idea. You know, think about it this way. Five days under complete physical, emotional, mental distress, Mm. right? heavily drugged up in this abortion procedure. And even though there's all this argument about whether I'll be provided medical care, I was shuffled off and she had no idea what was going on. Didn't know if it was a little boy or a little girl, but she spent 30 years of her life regretting that she didn't run away to save me. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So so, uh, she finds out that you're living and you're looking for her. What happened then? She had to go through this process of learning that she's loved and forgiven. You know, she questioned that, doubted it, wondered how that could ever be possible because she had never seen it really in her biological family, in her own family. And so we spent a number of years communicating before we met face-to-face for the first time. My birth mother is now a huge part of my life. Wow. I was able to share in this re-release of the book some important details about her and her life. She actually contributed to the book this time. I mean, she helped with mm-hmm. a lot of things the last time around, but we wrote a chapter together and included photos um, with one another because we, I mean, we get together as often as we can. We, The first text messages I got from the March for Life last week were from her oh, saying wow. how much she loves me and how proud she is of me. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Talk about Nobody the Lord, God, right? Only this is a God. God. Uh, that's all I can say. Uh, God all the way through, man, this. Wow. I am. I am um, so moved by this. Um, I want we only have a couple of minutes left, which I'm sometimes I'm so mad at this clock. Um, I want, I, I literally could, could talk to you forever. Cause, um, clearly I'm a little frazzled and I never get like this. I want to ask you, um, what are your hopes for the abortion laws? Um, you know, as someone that is fiercely pro-life, um, I, I know you are on the very, very front lines of this. What are you hoping to see happen, um, moving forward? And I think we need to talk about this because this is where we get uncomfortable, right? We like to talk about how our life is precious, how we're all made in God's image, but then we talk about politics and people go, ah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have to talk about this because the truth is laws do matter. Elections do matter. And until our culture 
sees the beauty and dignity and value of every human being's life, we need to have laws that, that protect life. Mm, so yes. we have to do this. So, you know, my hope is that we see Roe versus Wade overturned, and I believe we are so close. I mean, that's why 2019 rolled out the way it did, Autumn. Yeah. That's why we see constitutional amendments in various states saying that abortion is a right, which is just absurd, seriously. Mm. That's absurd to say that that I have the right as a woman to have an abortion, but I didn't have the right to be born? Wow. Please. Mm. Please. I mean, seriously. <laughs> so I don't like that argument, as you can tell. Right. So we're gonna see, I think we're going to see Roe versus Wade overturned. That's my dream. That's my goal. Mm. Of course, then it's going to kick, get kicked back to the states, which is why you see so many states jockeying right now, pro-life versus pro-abortion yeah. legislation. Um, and then, so we're going to have that fight on the state-by-state level. But I think what's important for people to recognize is that no matter what happens politically, this is always going to be an issue of coming alongside people in their time of need, yeah. supporting women like my birth mother, making sure that people's needs are met, right? Educating people, loving them, supporting them. We can create a culture of life. Yes. We can. This is a grassroots thing. I agree. Yeah. Um, my guest is, uh, fascinating. Melissa Odin. Uh, she was the survivor of a failed saline abortion back in 1977. And man, she is an activist uh, for pro-life today. Her book is called you carried me a daughter's memoir. Uh, Melissa, I love the fact that your mom, uh, co-authored a, a chapter with you and, and you were able to really connect with her and, and put that side of it in the book. Um, I think that that is just so incredibly fascinating to all my listeners out there. Y'all know I'm pro-life out there. Um, uh, fiercely, uh, go pick up this book. Um, educate yourself. Um, get, look at some of the resources that she offers um, on her website. And wow, Melissa, you have been such an incredible encouragement to me today. And I know to our listeners, thank you for sharing your story with our show. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you guys for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on the Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.